Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. <clears throat> wonderful day. I'm sorry. Wonderful. 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 Wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Romans. We are ready to read chapter 7. Now we had just finished reading chapter 6. Now in chapter 6, especially at the end, Paul is explaining that we should be slaves to righteousness and no longer slaves to sin because we have been baptized, we have died, and put away our old life of separation from God, that, that spiritual death, and we've been raised again with Jesus in new life and in um, a, a right relationship with God, in a, a righteous standing with God, so that we have that relationship with him. <clears throat> I really enjoy reading this, I'm going to tell you, because it really helps me get more clarity. It brings more clarity for me. I hope it does. I hope it does for everyone, but it definitely does for me as I read through this and, and again, look at this again. Um, it just helps bring more clarity to our faith and, you know, and, and how I should be looking at things. So, and at the end of that chapter is the uh, the famous verse. I, I call it the famous verse because we've all heard this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we're going to begin chapter 7. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law. So he's speaking more to the Jewish community, part of the community, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Thus a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Pardon me a moment, let me reread that. I'm not sure I got that read correctly. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So what he's telling them here, because that is worded in kind of, but I think I see what he's getting at. You have died to the law. It's kind of like I say, you have died. Going through baptism, you have died to that old life, to the law, through the body of Christ, so that now you belong to another, to him, who has been raised from the dead. In other words, going through baptism, now you belong you don't belong to the law and that old uh, life of separation from God and following the law, but you now belong to Christ. You are Jesus, and you belong to him because <clears throat> you have been raised from the dead with Jesus. And so, again, back to that right standing, but his, his point here is that now, like that, like that uh, woman who... Uh, her husband has died, and now she she's free to marry another. Well, our old life, our old 
our past that's all dead and we are we don't need to belong to sin anymore and that separation and that law pardon me we don't need to belong to the law now we belong to Jesus For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. You know, sinning. Sinning. The wages of sin is death. So here we were bearing fruit for death. We were sinning. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit the heart of the law, the spirit of the law, as you know, God has said in the past, he would write his word on our hearts. And yes, a lot of times I'm paraphrasing, but you know the idea and you know I think that's in Isaiah and I could probably go find it, but you, you know what I'm referring to. <clears throat> if you don't, then we will get to it. Just be patient. Keep, keep, keep listening. We will get there eventually. So, um, Going to continue on with verse 7. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Right. If someone doesn't tell you right from wrong, you don't know what's wrong. If someone doesn't tell you sin and not sin, then you don't know what's sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. <laughs> which is a funny way of saying it but that's true you would not have known you would not have known what it is to covet you would not have known that was a wrong thing to even think you know that I would like to have what my neighbor has okay but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness apart from the law sin lies dead if you go back before they were given the law, when you don't know, you don't have something that defines sin or wrongdoing for you, then how can what you do be wrong? And it's not, we're not trying to play weird tricks. We're just saying that before God defined, you know, right and wrong, how, how was anybody to know? I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, this is true. We tend to do these types of things. Now, this is going to get into some speech that may be a little difficult to understand, but let's keep going. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. 
In other words, if I'm doing what I do not want, okay, if I'm, I agree with the law and that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This is that juxtaposition of things within us where we want to do good, but we keep sinning. We keep doing these things that are wrong that we don't want to do, but we keep doing them. Sometimes we do them because we're stubborn and we do want to do them. A part of us wants to do them, if you know what I mean. The sinful nature part of us wants to do them. But sometimes we do it out of habit, out of, you know, uh, you know, anyway. Sometimes we do things, we continue to do things because that's what we've always done. But anyway, for I do not do the good I want. We want to do good, but you know, we, we miss the mark, we fail to do it. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So say he's saying the sin within him, that, that part of you that longs for it, or whatever, is, is doing it, is making it happen. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. In other words, when he wants to do something good, he, he finds that he is tempted to do something bad. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This, I admit, is a difficult thing to read and understand. He's going into describing the law and sin and first how the law through trying to tell them what was good and what to do and what not to do, it kind of defined sin for them. And it kind of defined and created temptation, not specifically the law. That temptation and all that was already there. But, it's like we've said before, if you're telling somebody not to do something, there's a part of them that wants to do it anyway. <laughs> and um, and it's that sinful, rebellious part and a selfish part. Because um, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The commandments were good. But it's the sin that, is produced, that was producing death. The sin, um, you know, We've, we've defined things so that the sin might, we, God, has defined things so that the sin would be known to be sin, so that people would know what not to do and how not to be. You know, the law is a spiritual thing to help you divine right and wrong. 
that was the whole idea. But then it creates this struggle in people. It's a struggle that we already have to do, choose to do right and wrong, to do one or the other. Um, it's a struggle we already have, but this sort of clarifies it and makes it stronger, I would say. And then he gets into talking about doing, if I do what I want, you know, if I do what I want, what I want, what I really want is sinful. If I do what I want, then I'm sinning. But if I do what I do not want, if I don't do what I want, if I do the other thing, then I'm following God. Then I'm following Jesus. And we have to, you know, we have to um, train ourselves, discipline ourselves to do that. To not, you know, don't just immediately jump and do what you want. Because what we want so oftentimes is wrong, is the wrong thing. You know, we get upset and the first thing we want to do is give somebody a piece of our mind. It's probably the wrong thing to do. Probably, most likely, the wrong thing to do. It can be difficult. You have to kind of choke it back. You have to try to, you know, nicely converse with somebody and try to try to work it out. Um, but anyway, that's that's just an example of just thinking. Um, but I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now here you have a desire to do good, okay? You have a desire to do good or to do something good, and you do the very thing you hate, which is you sin instead, or you do something wrong. I'm trying to think of a good example, but let's just say, let's just say you're wanting to do something good. You're wanting to go, I don't know, maybe you want to give some money to a charity or, or to the church, but then you get this temptation to spend that money on something else, something that you want, something that you, uh, you think would be nice to have. Maybe it's a new, uh, new album, a new game, a new something for your car, I don't know, but, and then you take that money that you were going to give, you know, to charity or to God, and you spend it on yourself, and then you feel like, well, I did the very thing I did not want to do, and I didn't do what I wanted to do, so you get this, this struggle within yourself, you get this fight, um, that's probably going to be about the best example I can come up with, right off the top of my head, I'll tell you, um, so Paul is talking about this struggle with his flesh and doing what he wants and doing what he doesn't want. You know, the spiritual side of him in his mind wants to do good. But there is that other, that corrupted, sinful side, selfish side that we, we have, we all have, that doesn't want to do good, just wants to do what's good, what's what it thinks is good, what is, you know, what it thinks is beneficial for you. So, so it's this struggle with the law and sin. Okay? So, and that's what he's explaining and talking about here. Is he struggling? He's showing the struggle of law and sin. Now, in the next chapter, in chapter 8, he's going to get into life in the Spirit and, um, and, uh, you know, he's going to be talking about getting out of this struggle and not having this struggle and how to live in the Spirit. That's the best way I know to put it right now. Um, but this is the struggle under the law, and this is this is a struggle that we, we still to some degree have, but the thing, the reason we don't 
totally have this struggle is that we we get forgiveness and we are in right standing with God. Whereas under the law, you know, they had to go through this whole ritualistic stuff and and sacrifice, and even then they were still never really justified. They couldn't go stand in the Holy of Holies. Very few people could ever do that. So um, they never were really justified or in right standing. They could just do what they could to kind of cover it up and to get whatever forgiveness they could get. And God did forgive them, but at the same time, it wasn't the same as it is now. It wasn't. The forgiveness was there, but they still were never really in that, that right standing where they could go to God like we can in prayer and, you know. So, anyway, that is chapter 7. Um, I hope that was helpful. This whole, this whole part is hard to read, and I'm just, I'm just being honest when I say this is hard to read and understand. Um, where Paul is talking about that inner struggle, but that's what he's referring to is that inner struggle, and it is difficult. Um, it is not an easy thing. And like I say, we still go through part of that even now. But, all right, thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, remember to keep safe, stay safe out there, and remember that God loves you. I want to do a quick addendum here for Romans 7. I want to read this. Um, I want to read part of these verses um, out of the Amplified. I think this helps explain some of the conflict in a way that I hope is more understandable. I'm going to start with verses 14, and we're going to run down. We might run down to the, yeah, we'll run down to the end of the chapter. Because this is explaining the, the conflict that we were talking about. And I think this might provide a little more in-depth um, understanding. So I'm going to read this uh, starting in chapter 14, Romans chapter 7. Verse 14, Romans chapter 7. If I said chapter 14, I'm sorry. It's chapter 7 of Romans, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am a creature of the flesh, worldly, self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual, sold into slavery to sin and serving under its control. For I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled and bewildered by them. I do not practice what I want to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate and yielding to my human nature, my worldly worldliness, my sinful capacity." Now, if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is good, morally excellent. So now, if that is the case, then, it is no longer I who do it, the disobedient thing which I despise, but the sin nature which lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. For the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. See, it's, I think this explains it a little better. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it, that is, it is not me that acts, but the sin nature which lives in me. So I find it to be the law of my inner, inner self that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature, 
But I see a different law and rule of action in the members of my body and its appetites and desires, waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is within my members. Wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death, this corrupt mortal existence? Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. And this just speaks like we were saying. I think this is clearer and better. But um, this just speaks of that juxtaposition of the war within ourselves, that inner conflict, to try to do the right things even though there's that part of us that wants to do the wrong things. And I won't go any further into that. I just think this explained it better and this said it more clearly. And uh, it does... It does show what Paul was communicating, I think, better than uh, than the other version. The other version kind of leaves some things out, and some of it may sound a little more confusing. This just sounds a little clearer. I think it's a little better, and explains that, uh, you know, uh, who will rescue me, and that, of course, it's Jesus, you know, that rescued, that rescues him, that rescued him, rescued all of us, rescues all of us from that. So... Alright, so again, thank you for listening. Have a good day, and remember, God loves you.